time away from the thronging and pressing crowds with even legitimate needs helped him to see that that wasn't what was going to govern his mission. People and their desires for Jesus to meet their needs and do things the way they thought it needed to be done was not something he could just allow himself to get drawn into. It's really the same old story of the tyranny of the urgent just cranked up to about a hundred. So as we turn from, from Jesus and our text and start to think about what that means for us, a couple of important things we want to consider. Is solitude the same as prayer? We might want to consider that. Jesus' practice of solitude focused on prayer, but I don't think they're exactly the same thing. I think it's better to see them as you know, overlapping significantly, but not precisely the same. Solitude is good and necessary sometimes just for our, our mental and emotional and even physical well-being. And, and it gets better and more powerful in what it can do for us when we combine it with prayer too. The thing is, though, in many, in probably most cases, if we're actually going to get the spiritual benefit from this practice, we kind of have to go through the more mundane practice of actually separating out, actually being alone for a time, actually quieting our minds and our emotions. And if we don't first set aside that kind of time, it will be hard for us to get the the spiritual benefit of it. Furthermore, I think it's probably important to realize that our culture has gotten pretty bad at this. And so we need to start at a pretty basic level as, as far as our practice of solitude. A very basic and general level. For some of us, it might just mean taking some steps not to make the distractions worse whenever we get a chance, even in small ways. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But I do want to pause and just say, kind of a word of understanding here. I recognize that some of us might be in seasons when this is difficult. You've got a bunch of little kids at home constantly, you know, tugging on your sleeve. They don't even let you go to the bathroom in peace some of the time. Like, I realize that it's not just, going. I'm going to spend the whole day in solitude, maybe two or three whole days. That, that isn't likely in, in this season. And different seasons of life are better for practicing solitude. At the other end of the kind of life spectrum, some of you may find that you've got more solitude on your hands than is comfortable. Right? Maybe your house is empty because everybody's moved on. Maybe you've even lost a, a spouse or someone significant to you. And solitude and loneliness are hard to tell apart. So I understand that there are different seasons of life where this may apply to you differently. But even so, I think there are some of these things that we'll talk about that are going to be common to all. So perhaps spending several hours or going on some retreat for days long is not realistic. We have jobs, we have classes, we've got all kinds of things that we need to do. But I think we can all find some ways to to take some steps back from the things that distract us and scatter our attention and at least take some steps to make our situation not worse than it already is if we find ourselves busy and kind of overburdened. And we may have to admit that some of our habits in this regard, when we do have a few spare minutes, are not the best ones for us. Remember what I said about people left alone for even 5, 10, 15 minutes. They'd rather lick a 9-volt battery than just sit there and not do anything. 
And I believe that for a lot of us, this will have to do with the way we interact with, with screens and devices. And I may sound like a broken record, and that's a live metaphor with the resurgence of vinyl, right? That's it's what goes around comes around. And it's, it's not that I hate technology. I'm caught up in this just as much as anybody else. And I find it so easy when you have a minute or two to which pockets my phone in and why did I even flip this open? Is it just to check a social media or the weather or see how the Blue Jays are doing or send a text for no good reason? I don't know. Maybe it's deeper than that, right? Maybe it's the fear of being alone with our own thoughts. Maybe it's that anxiety or sadness or even anger is going to rise up within us if we don't do something to kind of numb that and distract ourselves from it. In any case, here are a few small things that have helped me and you might find help you. Whether you're a college student, mom or a dad, middle-aged person, we can all apply these in some ways in our lives, I think. First of all, don't always multitask. Multitasking just keeps us busy and distracted all the time. So, you know, maybe doing the dishes is a mindless activity and you like to put on the headphones or have an audio book or a podcast or listen to sports while you're doing that. That's fine, but try to find something where you're not doing multiple things at once and you don't have the headphones on or the TV and just distracted constantly. Find something where I'm just going to do this thing and just focus on, on it. Resist the urge to distract yourself in small moments of downtime. And once you start doing this, you'll realize you probably have a few more than you think, even if it's just a few minutes during the day. Maybe you're sitting waiting in the car for your spouse or to pick up the kids. It's only two or three minutes, but not necessarily does it mean that you have to pull out your phone and, and see what's going on there. Maybe you arrive a few minutes early for a meeting. Maybe you're standing in line. Maybe, I don't want to be crude here, but I know this is a habit many of us have. Maybe it's when you're using the washroom. I'm just saying, I know it's a habit many of us have. Got to have the phone out. Go out, you know, the weather's getting nice. If you have a few spare minutes on your lunch break or you get a break from work, go out and go around for a walk or be outside or do something instead of just sitting there scrolling away. Here's another one, and this is one that I got caught up in. Uh, reading the Bible on, on a device, that can be really convenient. Uh, it's great. You can find passages really fast just by putting them in, but it also means you can get distracted pretty easily uh, with other apps that you might have on your phone. And I found it made a difference for me when I quit doing that and just got myself a Bible that I really liked, the, the, the look of it, the way it was laid out. Uh, it had a place to take notes and stuff. That, that really helped me, kind of made my times with the Lord less prone to being distracted. Speaking of distracting, this is another thing that I've been experimenting with somewhat. Getting rid of as many things on my phone that I don't need to have on there and turning down the notifications so that not everything is sending me a notification that interrupts me. I just found a lot of emails don't, some of them don't need any response. They're just junk. So why do I need that pinging or vibrating in my pocket somewhere? And it interrupts me and I open it up. That's not even important. Why did I let that interrupt me? removing Facebook from my phone, getting off of that when I'm at work, other things like that. And, and I found by just doing a few of those simple things, you realize how frequently you do have a few spare minutes, but you just choose to distract yourself in them rather than just be quiet, think about things, spend some time with the Lord. 
despite the constant refrain of, of busy, busy, or how many of us say that? How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm very busy, very busy, so busy. Been a busy season right now. Busy, got, got school, I got work, I got all these things. I realized that, that more of it than I wanted to admit was actually self-imposed, was just, I was allowing myself to become too distracted and, and I suspect that goes for many of us. Sometimes busy is more a state of mind that we've kind of imposed on ourselves than it is actually stuff that we legitimately have to do. So a question we might want to ask ourselves, who is calling the shots? I don't mean to say that, that frequently checking your phone or scrolling on social media are the the only things that distract us. There are plenty of things that distract us. There's watching sports, there's gaming, there's just socializing that doesn't serve any purpose. There's all kinds of things we can do that diminish our capacity to spend time with the Lord as we ought to. But one of the reasons that I've mentioned phones and, and social media in particular is our earlier, our scripture passage for today. Jesus had the population of one small town. In the text, it calls it a city, but it was not a city. It was a small town. Jesus has the population of a small town show up at his literal door. You know, a hundred people, maybe a couple hundred people, not that many. They show up at his literal door, and that's enough that he has to figure out what his mission is. A couple hundred people for an hour or two at the door was sufficient that Jesus had to go and spend time with the Lord because that was threatening to distract him from his mission. We have potentially the population of the entire world out there coming to us through a virtual portal on a device at all hours of the day and night, always available to us telling us what to do, how to think about every issue, how to look, how to dress, how to do whatever, what to like, what to care about, what's important. If Jesus' commitment to his mission was possibly threatened by a hundred people or two hundred people there for an hour or two, don't we think that our commitment and our clarity on our mission might also be threatened by the population of the whole world constantly bombarding us with things to think about and needs to meet and things to be concerned with? If the Lord needed to take time away from from legitimate needs and, and even to walk away from some of them entirely, don't we think that we may need to, to do the same? Jesus himself had to actively and intentionally remove himself lest these people and their needs, legitimate though they were, started to call the shots for him rather than his heavenly father. And I don't think we're any different. The temptation is still there for us. The danger is still there for us. We've been calling this series Living Sacrifices. because We've recognized that practicing any of these spiritual disciplines— it requires a sacrifice from us. We'll have to set aside some things, e- even good and fine things, in order to pursue better things. Now, in ancient times, and the, the graphic that we showed at the beginning alludes to that, you made a sacrifice by literally putting a thing on the altar and lighting it on fire. Maybe lighting our phones on fire wouldn't be the end of the world. I don't know. But that, it's deeper than that, right? We might not literally take something and, and burn it up, 
But we still have to forsake some things, nevertheless. In this case, it will mean giving up the right to consider all the time we have our own time. It will mean giving up the right to be entertained in all possible ways at all possible times. We might, we might experience some initial discomfort in the way of boredom or anxiety in spending a bit of time alone with our thoughts and with the Lord. We might have to push through that initial level of discomfort before we really start to feel like the distractions have cleared and we're actually spending that time communing with God. And we also, most likely, will have to end up saying no to some people and to their plans for us. Either in terms of just setting aside the time to spend with the Lord, or as a result of that time, having to say no to some people and the agendas they might have for us, just like Jesus did. We might even, and this will not be easy, but we might even, like Jesus did, have to say no to some things that we'd been calling and considering ministry because they weren't the things the Lord wanted us to be focusing on. Right? It might even be that some of those things we're doing more for ourselves or more just because it's the thing to do or for various reasons, but there might be better and more important things the Lord is calling us to do. So those are some of the things we might have to, to set aside. But any sacrifice is made in, in the hope and, and with the Lord in the certainty that there will be things to gain too. We stand to gain in our relationship with God, right? But by getting to know his voice better and being able to hear from him and keep in touch with him on a more ongoing basis. We stand to gain in being more present and attentive in the situations where he places us if we cultivate a lifestyle of not constantly being so distracted. We stand to gain in greater clarity as to what his will is for us. And, and his purpose for us. And in having greater confidence in, in that. We stand to gain and that we'll actually be more attentive to the needs of others. And there's something a bit ironic about that, right? By, by actually taking time away from others and even legitimate needs, we become more attentive to others. And sometimes it's taking time away from this big, vague concept called others or friends and actually being more attentive and aware of the brothers and sisters and the neighbors that Jesus has placed us with, right in our own little community. That benefits our families, that benefits our neighbors, that benefits our family of faith, our congregation. So in just a few minutes, we're going to come uh, before the Lord's table. But I think it would be good for us to take a few minutes and just have a moment or two of solitude. I know Dan already gave us a minute or two before we started our time of prayer, but I think it would be good to do that again. I know we are together, we're not alone, but if we put our distractions away, uh, we won't play any music just yet. Uh, we'll take a little bit of quiet time and space and we'll see if the Lord has anything to clarify for you. Maybe there isn't. There's not, there's not any formula. It doesn't mean that it was a waste of time if you don't come away from it with anything profound. But in any case, even if nothing profound happens, we'll be able to come to the Lord's Supper less distracted, 
having maybe done some business with God, be able to focus on it more clearly, more fully, as we remember Jesus' sacrifice and celebrate his resurrection and and look forward to his coming again. So I'm just going to give us a short time, a couple of minutes. Uh, You might find it it, uh, helpful to take a different posture. For some of you, maybe if you sit like with your hands up, just as as a sign to the Lord that, that you are open to what he has for you, that can help. We'll take a minute or two, uh, spend some quiet moments with the Lord, and then we will gather around his table. I know that might not be enough time uh, for for all of us if we were, you know, we have things going on in our lives that are distracting and emotional. Um, perhaps if you feel you need to take some more time, uh, well, there is there is the rest of the day. Uh, as I said, take a few minutes if you have them. Uh, sometimes it, the, the first minute or two can be kind of awkward. Uh, but when you push through that, there's, there's good fruit on the other side. Um, I would invite those that are going to be uh, helping with serving communion and our choir to come on down to the front here, and we will prepare to gather around the Lord's table.